Well, hello there. Come on in. Come on in. Look at you, you little faces. <laughs> Welcome to the Strange and Deadly Show, brought to you by Gentleman's Grindhouse Records. On this show, we discuss films on the Section 3 list related to the video nasties. We pair up our films every fortnight based on a theme. You can find out more information about all of our podcasts over at gentlemansgrindhouserecords.com and you can subscribe on iTunes and via any podcatcher you might be using. And we'll give you that information again and also tell you how you can get your feedback and comments over to us at the end of the show. But never mind all that, it's episode 11. I always say I can't believe we've made it this far simply because I can't believe that my co-host, who's sitting over there ready to interject can, well, quite frankly, put up with me for as long as he has. Uh, Who have I got over there? You've got Tom Elliott. And you know what I can't believe, Chris? What's that? That, well, the Section 3 Video Nasties list is 82 films. We're on episode 11, two films per show. So that pretty much puts us there or thereabouts at the quarter mark. Yeah, I'm quite happy with that, really. Yeah, me too, me too. I think this is a, we're going to fly through this. And um, I know we've got a, a long way to go, but it just seems that this first quarter has flown. So uh, I'm quite surprised by that. But anyway, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very, very well. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Did you manage to catch up with Daredevil? I did, yes. I mean, we've been going through it quite slowly because, like I said on the last episode, watching it with the girlfriend. So we're taking it a little bit slow her slow ass way to get through it but um got two episodes left i absolutely love the show i think it's incredible uh, i mean i'm a big fan of daredevil anyway big fan of the frank miller run on daredevil i'm a bit of a comic book guy a bit of a mm. well i'm a geek anyway but um there's also it's also got its own thing and there's there's changes and twists and tweaks but still very very faithful and um yeah two episodes two two episodes to go going to finish it off this week um and I'm quite happy, actually, that I haven't sort of, I didn't burn through it really quickly, because I think if I'd had my way, I would have, you know, I'd have polished the whole thing off in one week and been feeling quite miserable about it afterwards. But it's difficult because every episode, I mean, you probably feel this way as well. When when each one finishes, you want to see what happens next. Definitely. I think it's a game changer. You know, there's shows like Arrow on at the moment, which is well regarded, you know. Um, yep. And that seemed to be a bit of a surprise hit because everyone was like, who, who wants to watch Green Arrow? But it, it's done well. And then you've got shows like Gotham. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a huge Batman fan. have been for years, like you. Yeah. Um, and it's just not, not must-watch TV for me. It's, it's all right. You know, I can watch it and kind of enjoy it. But Daredevil, I think, is going to make people sit back and look at what they're putting out and think, man, we've got to raise our game. Oh, definitely. I mean, look, I, I, I won't go to a big rant about it. I don't like Gotham at all. Um, mm. I, you know, I, I'll say this much. I'll say one comment about it, which is just one very singular picky thing, which is that what they've done to Barbara Gordon on that show it borders on character assassination to me. I mean, if I if I wrote the character of Barbara Gordon, if I created that character, I think I would be drawing up a lawsuit at this point. I think there's some absolutely dreadful stuff in it, but. But that's just me. Um, you're right, though. The CW shows like The Arrow, The Flash, um, and they're fine, but they're more family friendly. Whereas Daredevil is quite, very adult, very gritty. It's dark. Mm. It's violent. There's still humour in it, which I like, you know, because there's still a, 
you know, it, it doesn't feel like torture to watch it. There's still a little bit of, of, of light in there amongst the dark. Um, and I also love the fact that having just seen that the week before last, I went and saw Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm. And I like the fact that Daredevil is, is very street level and it's quite modest compared to the Avengers, who most of whom are, you know, sort of reasonably wealthy, certainly Tony Stark is. And so it's sort of big and glamorous and there, there's these people living in very nice houses. And then you've got Daredevil who lives in a shitty apartment. Mm. And it's just is, it, but it, it's all connected, of course. So it, it's, um, yeah, I think it's a brilliant show. As for Avengers Age of Ultron, I'll just quickly say, I mean, you haven't seen it yet, have you, Tom? I haven't, no. S- some people have had a lot of problems with it uh, because it's a little bit messy here and there. I have to say, I came out of it absolutely loving it. I was hyped. I was pumped. Um, I've been in a huge Marvel mood since then. Mm-hmm. It's problematic in, in some areas. You know, there's there, there's a whole subplot with Thor. Um, I won't spoil what, what it's all about, but it feels very disconnected from the main narrative. So there are issues like that. But in terms of big budget superhero stuff where it's epic and it's energetic and there's great banter, great humour, the special effects. Ultron is a very solid villain. You know, I think it I think it really works. You know, is it as good as the first one? I don't know. I've only seen it once. But, you know, I, I would say this, unless you're going in preparing to be disappointed, I fail to see how 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 you would go in there and not come away you know having your breath taken away a little bit because it's that sort of film you know it's just very big and epic and building and and it's building towards the civil war storyline of course so there's a there's some of that is set up in there i think captain america 3 will be better Mm. but um what we've got there is good i enjoyed it yeah Good, good. Okay, well, we're not here to talk about Marvel movies, are we? So, shall aren't we? we? Uh... <laughs> aren't we? Aren't we, Tom? Because you're, you're absolutely right, sir. And I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but um, no, we're here to talk about. Uh, well, we've got a double bill, haven't we? As we always have. Why don't you tell everybody what that's all about, Tom? Well, this is our first zombie theme. Now, it's not going to be our last. I think there's going to be at least two more shows devoted to zombies, maybe more. I haven't looked at the list lately. Mm-hmm. But um, it's our first one, and maybe our worst one, but we will get to that as we talk through it. And we've got two zombie movies, very Euro zombie movies, by a couple of directors who, one, we've met before on the list, and uh, so let's see if he's raised his game any. Okay, we have got Oasis of the Zombies, which is a Jess Franco movie, and Zombie Lake by Jean Roland. So two very similar kind of sounding zombie movies by European directors. A perfect fit, I think, for The Strange and Deadly Show. Absolutely. And also, as we're going to discover as we go through these films and tell you a bit more about them, there's an interesting connection between these two directors um, and indeed these two films. So, you know, if you don't know what we're talking about, you know, stay tuned and you will find out some information you perhaps didn't know already. Because I certainly didn't know it before I put the notes and stuff together. So, Tom, why don't you tell me, because I'm dying to know. I bet tell, you are. Tell me some more. Tell me some information, uh, Tom. Tell me the story of Oasis of the Zombies, directed by our old friend Jess Franco. Okay. It's... Uh... Also known as Treasure of the Living Dead, or Oasis of the Living Dead, Bloodsucking Nazi Zombies, and many others, I think. Um, It was released in 1982, and like we said, directed by our old friend, 
Jess Franco, written by Jess Franco and Ramon Lildo. Now, the main plot of Oasis of the Zombies concerns a supply of Nazi gold buried in the desert. Six million gold, to be exact. Colonel Kurt and his party are interested in acquiring the location of the gold from former Captain Blabbert. Kurt meets with the captain, but instead of learning the location from him, he kills the old soldier and takes the map and information away so that he and his party can find it themselves. News of the captain's death reaches his son Robert, presently studying in London. He decides to take a trip to Africa with some of his friends in order to study his father's diary. With his friends in tow, Robert begins reading his father's diary and learns of a battle between the Allies and Germans during World War II. Captain Blabbert and his men had attacked the Germans for the gold, and only the captain had managed to escape with his life, albeit just barely. He was taken in by kindly locals who helped heal his wounds, and his relationship with his nurse produced a son. Having learned about the gold from the diary, Robert and his friends decide to venture out into the location of the buried treasure in order to claim it for themselves. However, claiming it won't be so easy. Many of the Nazi soldiers have returned from the dead, and having dispatched of Colonel Kett's party with ease, now lie in wait for a new batch of potential victims. So he never saw Aisha again, and he went back to Tripoli. He loved this country, and that's when he found out that the German convoy had been transferring gold out of the country. And you think the gold lies buried in that oasis? I think so. What's the matter with you? Money isn't everything. You think so? Well, tell me, what's it worth? I reckon about six million dollars. Ooh, six million. Six oh, million's no. a conservative estimate. Could be much more. Six million dollars a lot. You sure you know where it is? I know the name of well, the oasis where it is. <laughs> and isn't love important? Ahmed, how would you translate hey, that Hey, I'll wait. Forget it. All I have to do now is track down the sheikh. He knows where the oasis is. Do you know how to go about it? I do. <laughs> Here's Dwar el Boussouf. Dwar el Boussouf? Is that where the sheik is? He might be there. That's all I know. Well, let's go check it out right now before I change my mind. And we forget about our exams, right? <laughs> <laughs> exams don't stand a chance against six million bucks. We could wait till the term's finished and make it over then. That'd be just swell. Let's get rich like right now, shall we? <laughs> I inherited just enough to pay for our trip over and a bit. Are you coming then? If you want me to, I would have failed my exams anyhow. <laughs> How about you? I'll follow you. Six million bucks. Six million. So, Chris, our third Franco movie. What do you think of this one? <laughs> Boring, isn't it? <laughs> okay, should we go on to the next one? <laughs> um, I mean, look, I, I don't want to undercut my own review and yours, but quite, quite simply, this film can be summed up, I think, very easily. Mm. Um, some stuff happens at the beginning, and then nothing else happens for 40 minutes, and then there are some zombies, and then some people die, and then nothing else happens until 15 minutes before the end. And that's it, really. That's, uh, 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 you know, that's a summary of what happens in the Oasis of the Zombies. 
it, <laughs> it is a, a very oh dear. It you know I'm sorry if I sound like I'm struggling to find my words. In fact, there's lots of stuff going on in my head. It's just very difficult to to order it properly so that I can tell you about this. Um, I I don't think it it, it is as as a as a general opinion of the film. I don't think it it's his most inept film i guess quite a lot of people disagree with with that i mean certainly from the feedback we've gotten since we announced that we were doing this one and people have sort of have watched it to try and obviously catch up with us um it seems like this is the one that is like the least of the two mm. that we're covering on this show and i, I <laughs> yeah it's very difficult to say which one of these i i would like the least but it it is there's some there could be kind of a cool idea here zombies in the desert mm. you know crawling out of the sand i just think that it it not very much happens really and when it does happen it's not particularly well done i mean that's a, you know that's a general sort of you know that that's the the beginning of my opinion anyway what say you we're on the same page i mean imagine if the evil dead spent 95% of its running time with them getting to the cabin, you know, yeah. not even at the cabin waiting for stuff to start, but getting to the cabin, going shopping, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff. That's what this movie's like. It's just absolutely, it was a struggle. It was yeah. a struggle. This one nearly toppled Brutes and Savages for me <laughs> as a uh, as a bottom of the pile one. You know, it, it starts off okay, you know, two... Two sexy girls in little short shorts walking through the desert. Why they're there, who knows? Um, and a little bit of zombie action. I thought, okay, this looks like some trashy fun. But then nothing else happens. You know, we see this captain who knows the secret uh, of where the gold is getting killed off. And then there's a flashback to him being there originally, which serves absolutely no purpose. I, I mean... It sets things up a, a little bit, a bit of backstory, but you don't really need to know. We already know he dies, so what's the what's the point of it, you know? Yeah, it's rather pointless. I mean, like you say, it's a bit of backstory. And I suppose, to be fair to that particular section, there's a there's a, a very short gunfight that happens between the you know the allied forces and the german forces mm. and so there's a little bit of action because there's nothing else happening like i said from that opening with the two young girls you mentioned once that happens there's nothing else until about the 40 minute mark That's so nice. and it you know within this period you've had that little piece of backstory where we see what happened to this captain you know i have to say i mean he he didn't go out terribly well considering all he's been through in his life for him to be get a poison pen stuck in his hand and mm. then um you know to die is i don't think it's very particularly dignified death i mean i will say this uh, cannibals or white cannibal queen which is one of the ones we reviewed i think on our first show was it our first show right yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like a lifetime ago really uh i think that is more inept than this and that was also quite boring, if you remember. There was a big, mm. long section there with Al Cliver walking around in the city. <laughs> it's like, God, <laughs> no, no. Uh, and this is, yeah, like you say, it's almost like they, it, like Jess Franco started filming the actors before they actually started filming the movie. So you have a lot of extraneous stuff in there that doesn't need to be there. It's just junk and gunk and nonsense. So we get this backstory. So, so we understand that... that, that you know what the basics are 
here, which is there's Nazi gold, it's been buried, and the undead, these undead soldiers, Nazi zombies as it were, they're not very happy that people want their gold. So it's a basic story. Mm. We don't really get any zombie action as such. I mean, you were talking about the two girls in the opening there. Even then, all we see are a pair of hands grabbing some feet. Yeah. And then we see... Uh, a girl who's being attacked by a zombie, we don't actually see it's from from the zombie's point of view somehow. Yeah. So about the 40-minute mark, we then get, uh, what was his name? Uh, Colonel Kurt, who's the guy who's killed the captain. He's sort of venturing out with his search party. They want to get to the goal. The reason he killed the captain, of course, is because he wanted the map and all the information for mm. himself so that he can go and, and find the goal. And it's here that... that he and his party and his wife, they meet the zombies and we see them for the very first time. Now I have to say, some of the makeup effects are quite shoddy. There are a couple of there are a couple of zombies in there, a couple of makeup jobs that I thought were were, were reasonably okay. I mean, what what do you think? They're very strange. Uh some of them just look like they're made of papier mache and yeah. I kinda of justified it to myself that maybe, you know, they're out in the bacon sun, so they've got this sort of you know, dried, baked look to them. But I think it was just, they were made of papier mache. I mean, one of them looks like Frank Sidebottom. He's just like, <laughs> you know, this big bulbous paper mache head with big massive eyes on it. Um, so you shouldn't have said that because now I just want to see a zombie movie that has Frank Sidebottom in it, just eating people, <laughs> just roaming around eating people with that accent. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But I, I mean, I will say for me personally, there were a couple in there that I thought, well, that's, I mean, that's the makeup job on there is decent. You know, not mm. nothing, nothing in this movie is 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 good. But you know, I thought that that a couple of the a couple of the makeup effects on there were okay, but yeah, and sort of, and a lot of them are missing their eyes. Yeah, yeah, or they, or their faces are kind of frozen in screams or something like that. You know, it's um, there was one like with his mouth open and as if he's in mid-scream, and it's like, okay, is he stuck with the face that he died with or something? What, what's all that about? But again, I don't think that much thought has gone into it. I just think they just made the heads out of papier mache and there, and that's that. Yeah, well, there's one which is like the worst one is like they they got a skull and put it on a stick yeah. and they pretty much just sort of and then wave it around a bit. Yeah, that's probably the worst one because it just it doesn't look like a zombie. It just it literally looks like a zombie on a stick. But, so we get a little bit of zombie death there. We, of course, we've also got um, the this young group of people, Robert, who is the son of the captain who was killed earlier on in the film, and his two friend or three friends. Mm. A young girl and then another guy and, you know, just no, nothing characters, I would say. They don't do anything, selfish, greedy, don't really care if they die or not. It's an incredibly hard film to review, I think, because nothing sticks in your head because it's just pointless, absolutely pointless. And I'll tell you how I watched it. I watched about the first hour and I was just you know, climbing the walls to try and get out because it was just, I felt like I was wasting my life. Yeah. So I had a break, you know, you know, went away and done something else for a while. And I came back to it for the last, you know, 20 or 30 minutes where the, the climax happens. Now, we might as well talk about the climax. This this probably be quite a, a short review, to be yeah. honest, Um where... Viewed in isolation, and I'm not saying it was good, but the thing it had going for it is it was in the desert. 
Now, normally zombie movies are in, uh, you know, cities, that kind of thing. And there was this sort of uh, music, this sort of monotonous, like, wow, 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 or something like that. And you see these zombies coming over the dunes. And it was actually pretty good imagery, you know, I thought. Yeah. Man, if this was done better, this would be a great location. But you would have to be quite smart with that because, you know, an urban zombie movie with slow lumbering zombies, you can get trapped, you can get cornered kind of thing. And that's that's the whole thing. Whereas in the desert, you could just walk in the opposite direction. Yeah. And it would probably be the desert that would kill you eventually, you know. So, I mean, what what do you think about that that climax? It's an interesting environment for a zombie movie, I think. Um, a lot of potential there, but um, sadly, quite wasted, I think. The climax is... Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the music there. I have to say that... Yeah, when people were criticising the, the Shogun Assassin soundtrack for being like a Casio keyboard kind of thing, <laughs> this is, I mean, it just, it's just a guy hitting a note every three seconds, one note. Mm. It, it, you know, it's okay, but yeah, the climax, at least things, you know, at least things are moving and there's some stuff happening. Uh, so I like that, that side of it. The, I don't think the climax, the, the, the plan that the characters have at the end is to take some gas canisters, which are on their their um, their car. They they call it a truck, uh, and so they sh- and then they sprinkle, of course, the gas around them, and then they light it so that the f- there's like a ring of fire around them, and then that's going to prevent the zombies from coming near them. Instead of getting on the car and driving away. <laughs> Which I don't think particularly makes much sense. At first I was thinking, okay, well, I don't know, maybe the car stopped working or something. But it hadn't, because at the end of the movie, the spoilers here, folks, the two characters that do survive, they're driving away on the car. So, you know, my first thought would have been, you know, not let's take the gas canisters off and make some fire. My first thought would have been, I'm going to get in the car and drive the fuck away because I'm in the desert. And if I drive to another part of the desert, the zombies aren't there anymore. So, you know, there there was that thinking going on. Very strange kind of finale to this, really, because what happens is the zombies, of course, as they do, they come in and they massacre almost everybody, except for two characters, Robert, who's, the, of course, the son of the captain, and his, I guess, love interest in the movie. And they end up surviving. And what happens is they use fire and they kill a bunch of the zombies, and there is still a, a lot of them left. And I guess at some point, because they can't get through the fire, they just give up and disappear. And I, do, I literally mean disappear, like, boom, they're gone. <laughs> it's very strange, isn't it? Like, there's no real explanation. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Zombies just, you know, normally they'll, they maybe they'll, they'll, uh, you know, uh, w- stumble away somewhere. Well, there's a bit of that in the City of the Living Dead at the end, isn't it? But, um, yes. Just going back to the, you know, our climax, they're all sort of huddled together in the desert. They can see the zombies a mile off, apart from the odd one that comes up through the floor. Yeah. And so it is like uh, the equivalent of that scene in Austin Powers where Austin <laughs> Powers is driving a steamroller at a guy extremely slowly and the guy stands there screaming for about 30 seconds. That's what this is like. You know, they're all just huddled in a circle screaming and, ah, you know, trying to get gas canisters, making a circle. And it takes a while, you know what I mean? And you're absolutely right, because I just got in the, the truck and drove away. Yeah, but and they and like you were saying, I mean, 
<laughs> they seen him coming a mile away. They've got forever to get away. I mean, mm. really, they've got so much time. They they could have got in that car and, and driven away before the zombies had even made it there. You know, so nonsensical. Anyway, at the end at the end of it, the two surviving characters they get found by this guy who's the same guy who rescued uh, Robert's father, and uh, his daughter was. Is, is Robert's mother. I know, I know. It, it doesn't really beg much explanation other than that, really. It, it is just... And so then it, and then it ends, really. Uh, not terribly gory, I have to say. There's a little bit of blood here and there. If I remember rightly, there's a little bit of, you know, pulling some intestines out. But really, I mean, hard to describe any of those as effects as such. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I... I mean, what do you think about this in comparison to White Cannibal Queen in terms of, you know, which one, which of the two is the more inept? You know, for the for the scenes that this one, I won't say gets right, but are better, you know, that, that desert scene, that the atmosphere, the zombies walking over the dunes. If you trim the movie down to about 10 minutes, I'd probably, you know, <laughs> yeah. think it was all right. Um, whereas while White Cannibal Queen was shit i uh there just seemed to be a bit more going on even though it was dreadful as well i would probably take white cannibal queen over this one yeah i mean it's got al cliver in it mm. so i think that in itself is a strength i mean uh, i don't know i still think what white cannibal queen for me personally is a little bit more inept mm. in that the actual filmmaking if you can call it that is yeah. is very weak and this is you know, it's got some nice locations in it and everything. I mean, like I say, a pretty interesting and different environment. It's just a shame that more wasn't made of that. Now, I have to say that the the copy of this that we watched was sourced from a Blu-ray. Mm. And, it, I mean, it looks really nice. It, it, it It's more than this film deserves, I would say. Definitely, I agree. Um, it's, you know, just to sum up, I I couldn't sit through this again. I could barely sit through it a first time. You know, what What a waste of a great location. And, you know, having a, a localised, uh, like a haunted oasis where the, the zombies are, you know, there's there's potential there. And if, you, if you're a better filmmaker, a better writer, uh, something could have been done with it because I, I did like those images, uh, fleeting images of zombies coming over dunes. But that's it. I, I haven't really got anything else to say on it. This could be our shortest review on strange and deadly because absolutely fuck all happened in this one <laughs> exactly yeah really uneventful through most of it like i said i mean you know without uh, i said it right at the beginning without wishing to sort of undercut either review that we've done it really is a case of something happens at the beginning then you wait for 40 minutes and something else happens and then you wait until 15 minutes before the end and then you get that climax that tom and i were talking about and that's it and that ain't good enough folks it just ain't good enough uh no, I didn't like it at all. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, no, no, never want to see this one again. I have to say. Uh, let me give you some trivia on it, anyway, Tom. I'm sure you're very curious about the production and history of this movie. So <laughs> let me tell you all about it. Now, according to Wikipedia, I can't find a source for this. So, and you know, sometimes people can edit stuff in on Wikipedia. Who knows if it's true or not? But apparently. Uh, Franco filmed another version of this film in Spanish, concurrently with the filming of this French version. This is the one we watched. Um, supposedly, uh, the reason the Spanish version was filmed is so that it might placate Franco's lover, Lena Romay, who we saw in The Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, in that section that was uh, 
pretty much bolted on that had nothing to do with the rest of the movie uh the french version which is considered the true cut again that's the one that we watched and i presume most of you guys out there watched um that had already cast all of its actors and franco wanted to cast romay in the role of uh, colonel kurt's wife who meets a very grisly end um about 40 minutes into the film uh, and so he filmed this spanish version uh, which has rarely, if ever, been seen outside of Spain. So the man was filming two versions of this at the same time, mm-hmm. which probably explains, the, you know, to some degree, the lack of quality in this one. Uh, Franco went under the name A.M. Frank as director on the film, speculatively, uh, this is sort of my speculation, really, uh, because he was embarrassed by the end products. It sometimes is the case that some of these directors who've directed these horrible Euro sleazy movies will go under a, a, a you know a different name, an assumed name, because they're embarrassed by the project. Um, certainly that is a, a theme that will revisit us again in a few moments. Uh, so, so yeah, so it, interesting. I mean, apparently I managed to find a review on IMDb, a user review from somebody who claimed to have seen the Spanish version. And there are differences. And that person says that it's still not good, but it's a little bit better than this one. Right. OK. Well, I couldn't care less, to be honest. So I'm not going to try and find <laughs> it and find out. OK, well, you say that, Tom. But listen, you can find the movie on Blu-ray released oh. via Redemption Films. Are you, do you remember Redemption? I do, yeah. Uh, I think that they're more of a of a newer label in the US now, but we've known about Redemption here for years and years and years. I remember watching their stuff on Bravo, on Sky when I was a lot young, when I was in my teens. They used to have Redemption films on there, and they were quite saucy, Tom. And I used <laughs> to sit there sometimes half naked, ooh, dreaming of the things I would do to those vampire chicks. No longer, unfortunately, Bravo has long been extinguished. Its fire was extinguished many years ago. Uh, so, look, the disc is region-free, so it will work in any Blu-ray player or console, no matter what country you live in. It's twelve ninety-nine on salvation-slash-films.com. So, you know, if you perhaps you want a copy of this film, you are a bloody fool. But if you do want it, you can find it there. Okay, so that was the uh, zombie oasis, and now we're going to go down the road to the zombie lake what uh what, what have you got to tell us about this one well thank you tom for leading me in so magnificently there <laughs> yes it's zombie lake also known as the lake of the living dead it was released in 1981 directed by jean roland it was written now here's an interesting thing a connection here folks it was written by jean roland and jess franco who of course directed oasis of the bloody zombies now, Jean Roland also has a writing credit on White Cannibal Queen. Mm. So, as you can see, there's a bit of a connection there. But there's even more of a connection, which I'll tell you about later on. For now, though, I'm going to read you the synopsis to this film because I'm fucking stupid. <laughs> so, set in an old village in the 50s, Zombie Lake tells a simple story. It opens with a gorgeous young woman stripping naked and swimming in the titular lake seemingly unaware of what lurks beneath the surface. She's grabbed by a zombie wearing a German army uniform, never to be seen again. Her death isn't the only one, as it quickly transpires that more villagers are being killed via bite marks on the neck, or by being dragged into the murky depths of what the villagers call the Lake of the Dead. A reporter comes to the village seeking a hot new story about the recent deaths, and how it relates to the mysterious lake. 
The mayor of the village, played by Howard Vernon, recounts the story of how the lake came to earn its name, and it begins some years prior with a group of German soldiers surviving a bombing in the village. One of the soldiers helps a woman who is in harm's way and forms a relationship with her, sleeping with her and producing a baby daughter before departing again for battle. The villagers, who at this time have formed a resistance group, ambush the German soldiers one day and kill them all, dumping their bodies in the lake. Thus the lake earned its nickname. The lake has a mysterious power to it that has brought the dead soldiers back to life, and now they return to the village seeking vengeance. In a strange twist, however, the young undead soldier remembers the home of his long-dead girlfriend and returns to find his young daughter Helena there. Instead of chomping down on her as you'd expect, he gives her a necklace that belonged to her mother and remains instinctively protective of her. With the mayor and the villagers seeking to take the zombie group out before they wreak further havoc on the village, it may just come down to the young Helena to provide the key to their elimination. We'd better face the fact that zombies have declared war. Those two cops were skeptical. Our fate's now in our own hands. We must find a way to safeguard our town from the mad murdering zombies. We are not powerless. We must act. Let's ambush them if they come out tonight. It's the only way of getting rid of them once and for all. Anybody with a firearm? Better get ready. We'll wait for them out west. I'm sure they'll come by the west lane. Oh, let's go! Yeah! Yeah! Let's go! Well, right. Let's get rid of them once and for all. Count on me. So, Tom, it's Zombie Lake. Now, I'd seen this one before, actually, many, many years ago on an old Vipco videotape. Hmm. And I was, you know, probably like yourself at the time, a big VHS collector. And I had various Vipco releases because it was really the only way at the time you could see some stuff, some really infamous stuff that, you know, that you normally couldn't see. And of course, the Vipco were famously not very good when it came to sourcing good quality prints and things like that. But I, for example, I owned uh, the Beyond Uncut, and it was a horrible looking print, absolutely mm. horrible. But it was uncut, and you could see it. So here we have Zombie Lake, infamous. I'd seen it before, so we're going to have you lead with this one. What did you think of it? I think you could have played me anything after Zombie Oasis, and it would be an improvement, you know? <laughs> yeah. So because I watched them pretty much back to back, it it comes out on top in that regard. As a film itself, how to say this? You know, I've been looking at the comments people have made on Twitter uh, prior to this recording and a lot of people seem to be really down on Zombie Lake and uh, I won't go so far as to say it was good but I uh, I thought it was just shy of okay <laughs> and it's a strange one really because you look at anything in this film in isolation and it's rubbish it is rubbish but it's it's just got a trashiness about it that I kind of liked, you know. Talk about erotic movies last time. There's more eroticism in this one than yeah. both that that we did last time. Um, so I'm I'm not going to say it was a good movie, but there was some interesting things which I will get into a, a bit deeper as as we go along. But it was a bit of sweet relief after Zombie Oasis. Still pretty boring. I'm going to say that about it. 
but there was some bits in there that just raised it a bit, which we will get into after you give your kind of overall thoughts. Yeah, well, it was nice to be able to actually see it because on the Vipco video, of course, the print was horrible. Mm. And there were so many, you know, dark, flickery bits, whereas this was, you know, again, sourced from a Blu-ray. So it was really, you know, a very nice looking version of the movie. I mean, look, it's, it's rubbish. When I saw it the first time, I absolutely hated it. Now, mm. I have to say, look, watching it again, I'm not going to sit and pretend that because I can see the movie a lot better now, all of a sudden I've changed my mind. I mean... You know, it's interesting to me that you say that on Twitter you've seen people are quite down on it. I've actually seen the opposite. There have been a couple of people I've talked to on Twitter who actually seem to really have liked this one. And uh, for me, that I'm not going to say that I like the movie. I think it's quite boring. Um, I think it's it's a very shoddy piece of work. But when you're following up Oasis of the Zombies, <laughs> you you know you can only go up from there really it takes something extremely you know it just takes <laughs> i don't making myself laugh thinking about bits from it you know it i think it would take a work of extreme ineptitude mm. to to be worse than oasis of the zombies but it's not good i mean it's a bad bad movie and the makeup effects i mean let's talk about the makeup effects First of all, what they've done is they've slathered a bunch of young guys in some green paint. Mm. I think I think these have got to be some of the worst zombie makeup effects I've ever seen. Possibly, yeah. I, I don't know. They they didn't grate on me that much because I, I was very much in that in that trashy place, you know. Um, there's there's one at the end as well where you can see he's sort of pulled this rubber mask over his head and his hair's sticking out from underneath the back <laughs> of it. And I don't know whether they just thought in them days, ah, well, you know, it's not going to be that clear, you know, but now we live in the the digital age where everything's crystal clear. But yeah, they're not great, but they didn't really offend me that much, to be honest. It was more the the pace of it um, that yeah. was the problem for me. I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? You know, uh, it, there are a lot of bad zombie movies out there. I don't understand why... This is one thing I've never understood about people who make bad movies. If somebody gave me a bunch of money to make a movie, I'm not going to say that I would be better than anybody else because I don't know. I've never made a movie. But one thing I can say is if I haven't got much money and I'm not particularly talented, Hmm. I'm going to at least try and make something that's very entertaining because it's like I've always said, a movie can be bad, but if it's bad and boring... Yeah, that's for me. That's a lethal combination, you know. I mean, I've seen, I own plenty of bad movies up there on my shelf. I'm looking at now. By no stretch of the imagination could they be called could they be called good, but they they move, man. You know, there's some energy. I think the problem with both of these movies is that they have that. They just have these long, boring sections where it's like it's backstory, but it's not particularly good backstory, and so you're sort of stuck watching that and you're waiting for the zombies to turn up and then even when they do turn up there's no gore you know oasis of the zombies was not very bloody this is even less bloody Mm. than that so it it is you know when you watch a Fulci film for example you watch zombie flesh eaters zombie flesh eaters is not quote unquote a good movie as such but there's a lot of stuff happening 
And the zombies look great in that movie. They look like they've they've crawled out of the earth. Mm. And when they kill somebody, it's graphic and there's stuff happening and it's it's you know and you're like oh you know you're, you're sort of repulsed by it certainly when you first see it. Whereas this is just you're sort of waiting for a very long time and it's the same with the Oasis of the Zombies for a little bit of blood to spurt on somebody's neck, and then they you know walk back into the water again and you wait for the next thing to happen and i think that is that's the one of the big issues with it now i will say it the story has a very interesting part in there i mean these are some of the least zombie like zombies i've ever seen mm. you know it, it, in day of the dead george romero made it look like a like a lot of work to be able to get a zombie to be somewhat intelligent these zombies are the most intelligent I've ever seen because they're pretty much just men walking around with green face paint on. And there's a little bit of that kind of jerky movement going on. But for the most part, not very zombie-like. But there is this interesting part of the story, which is this young German soldier who ends up forming a relationship with this young woman and they have this daughter. And so when the group of zombies, I can't remember how many there are, there are about five or six of them, right? Mm. Well, he's part of that. Um, he's one of these zombies. And of course, he, and he's dead. But yet he remembers as he's walking past the house, where this is where my girlfriend used to live. And he walks in there and there's his daughter, who of course he hasn't seen for many, many years. And he doesn't attempt to eat or anything. He remembers, oh, that's my daughter. And he hands her a necklace that he has around his neck. So it's, I think it, it's not done very well at all. Don't get me wrong, but... I like the idea of the zombie father who remembers his daughter and therefore, you know, doesn't want to, to kill that, but, you know, doesn't want to kill her. Instead, has some sort of instinctive, protective nature over them. I think it done by somebody who actually knows what they're doing, I think could be quite a cool idea for a movie. Done here, of course, it's very shoddy because there's nothing zombie-like, particularly about this character, apart from the colour of his skin, which is green, mm. you know. Um, so, so, you know, a couple of... Vaguely interesting ideas going on there. Uh, look, you know, look. It compared to Oasis of the Zombies, it's it, it's better. But I can't sit and pretend I understand why people, some of the people who've who've contacted me, whose opinions I respect very much, by the way, uh, I can't particularly understand why they like this. It just is. You know, I, I mean, this is the second time I've seen this. That I've got no desire to see this again really don't you know it just is and to me that's the mark of a movie that's like eh, i don't know really if i've got no desire to see it again i don't know if it is a good move or if it did work for me you know i'm not gonna go so far as to say i want to see this again i you know if i if i was there and it was on I, I might but let's run through some of the things that i think are interesting about it and maybe these are the things that people latch on to uh, that raises it for them. You've already mentioned one of them, this sort of instinctive zombie memory. Like you say, it's been done better by George Romero in Day of the Dead, but it's still something that I think can be really mined uh, for, for a good zombie story. There might be some out there that I'm not aware of that, that do it, uh, but I don't know of them. But, you know, you're right, something, something good could be made of that. Um, and I also think... Have you ever seen Colin, the uh, the ultra cheap British zombie movie? Is that the one with Billy Colony? No, no, you're thinking of um, Fido. I think that one's Fido. called Fido. No, I haven't seen either of them. Well, Colin was um, it was made for ridiculously cheap, but it's about 
there's a zombie outbreak and this young lad Colin becomes a zombie and he's going about doing the zombie business and the film follows him and it's for the amount of money it was made with it's very very good and okay it's one of the best films I've ever seen for showing you that well you know this zombie was a person once and it had people who cared for him he had family who loved him you know um, he's done all the things in life that we've all done, went to school and and so on. Because zombies very quickly in these films just become cannon fodder. You know, you don't think that zombie number two over there is somebody's mother, you know, yeah. or someone's brother and, and so on. And again, there's a slight bit of that in this where we see that this man, he was a German soldier, but you know he he was capable of love and and stuff like that and um he had a relationship with this woman you know he was a nazi but as we know in the war there was soldiers who they were fighting for their country that they might not necessarily have you know i'm not going to get into all that anyway but so it's an interesting thing as well i think knowing a bit more about this this zombie and who he was and why he has this instinctive feeling so that was one thing for me yeah i have to agree with you uh it, it is i almost wish the film had been sort of built more around that because i think that is something that's quite unique i would say certainly for the time you know this was made in what night released in 81 so yeah something sort of quite something quite different i think yeah yeah another thing i, I kind of liked was that do you know where this was set in terms of geography wise was it supposed to be is it france or something i would imagine so yeah i think it's supposed to be a french village in the 50s yeah 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 so the thing is when the the zombie when sorry when the nazi soldiers were massacred um, by the villagers they were actually retreating. They were they were going to leave. Yeah. And the villagers massacre them and throw them all in the lake. So, and we don't know why they come back to life, unless I missed it because, you know, might have been dozing off. But, um, well, the, sorry to interrupt you. The, the, go on. The mayor does say that, that, I can't remember exactly what the dialogue was, but it's something like, there's something mysterious about that lake, like, and even going back to the 18th century, like, there's something, whether there were, you know, I don't know, whether there were witches there or there was some sort of curse was put on the lake, but it, but there is some sort of history. It's very sort of hastily mentioned, and they move on from it. But yeah, there, there's something strange about the lake. They they sort of refer to it, and then you know they never go back to that again. So um, there is yeah. something that yeah. So, so again, you know, a, a different kind of take on the zombies. It's not an apocalypse. It's not world ending. It's very localized. You know, these zombies are driven by sort of a vengeful spirit for for what's happened to them. They were leaving. They are killed, and then, you know, now they're kind of back taking their revenge. It's it's like an old pirate story, you know. Um, yeah. So, so I kind of like that as well. You know, again, could be done better, but interesting yeah i can't disagree with you i think that there are elements to this that where you think okay i mean if you if it'd been a little bit tighter if it'd been made by a director who actually liked the project which will i'll explain why i said that in a minute i think if it'd been made by and also by a better director i think that you know you might have been able to pull something out of it but you've got to you know guys you've got to you can't just let it sort of 
languishing, this miserable pacing, you know, and it happens a lot in these kinds of movies. You know, even George, I mean, look, whether people want to face up to it or not, I'm one of those people who, it, it, even if I worship a certain person or a certain thing, I never I never try to blindly worship anybody. John Carpenter's my favourite director of all time. The man's made some really bad movies. Mm. Uh, George Romero, I, I would kiss the feet of the man if I could. He has made some really bad zombie movies, particularly the last two. Survival of the Dead and Diary of the Dead, I didn't like at all. But I will say this for them. They, they move... You know what I mean? They move mm. and they, they, you know, there's energy and everything and it's not great and the, the effects are bad and everything. But so you've got to keep the energy up, guys, you know, if it's and and make it a little bit more entertaining and, and don't take yourself so bloody seriously if the story is, you know, is, is not particularly interesting. I think that's where I come at it from is the the entertainment factor of it. And it seems like I'm. You know, I'm on one side of the fence and some people are on the other. Some people seem to find this really entertaining. I don't see it myself, but, you know, they're entitled to their opinion on it. I think for this, I think it's a, it, it deserves the reputation it has. It's considered to be one of the worst zombie movies ever made, as is Oasis of the Zombies. But when you compare the two of them, there's just a little bit more here. There is a bit more happening in places... And there is, like you say, there's a, just a tiny, tiny bit of heart to the story that where, where there's none in Oasis yeah. uh, of the zombies. That I, I think, I think this is a, is a better watch, but it, I, I still think it's abysmal filmmaking myself. Mm. Um, I don't hate it as much as you. I won't even go so far as to say I hate it. I, uh, I was. <sighs> very mildly entertained by it very mildly you know the things that i found interesting kind of just raised it for me but you know I, I can't really say much more than that it was a bit trashier which was good you know the the girl at the beginning and you know the the uh, basketball team and stuff like that that was all good fun um but no i'm not i'm not going to um say any more on it than that really it was it was better interesting but ultimately still a failure well i mean you took the words out out of my mouth earlier on when you said that this film is more erotic than the the films we watched on the erotic theme show you yeah. know and the camper van full of the young girls i mean you know it was put in there purely for titillation purely mm. for titillation and it well, just um, sorry go on well, I was just going to say, if you're somebody who's offended by that, this is going to be some of the most offensive stuff you're going to see because, you know, they bring in these, I don't know, five or six young girls. They get totally naked. Yeah, Jean Roland has no problem at all filming them from underneath as they're swimming in the water. So you see everything. Everything's mm. on display. You know, it's quite, you know, exploitative, I suppose, in that way. But it's Euro sleeves, isn't it? You know, I love love a good bit of Euro sleeves for what it is. Uh, I would say, you know, and they're nice looking women as well and everything. You know, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not a red blooded male for it, but it, you know, so there's some entertaining bits in there. I've got to give you that. And especially, I mean, that part when those girls turn up, all of a sudden the tone of the film changes completely. The music, I mean, it looks like carry on camping or something, you know, and the music (laughs) and the music, you know, all of a sudden it's all, you know, it's it's, uh, up tempo and and joyful and energetic. And then, of course, those girls end up being taken down by the zombies because they're in the water. So, um, you know, there's some bits and pieces of stuff in there, isn't there? Now, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, old uh, Jean Roland is uh, 
he's always quick to get ladies naked in his films. I'm not an expert uh, on his stuff, to be honest. I, I, I recall one called The Naked Vampire or The Nude Vampire, and it's very um, abstract, you know, and it's, it's you know, nudity wall-to-wall. He, he was very much um, a guy who, who had no problem putting naked women in his movies for the whole thing sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, he specialised in this kind of Euro sleaze, you know, nudie, uh, nudie films that were based on some sort of horror theme. I mean, there are a couple of these things that I don't mind. He made a film called The Grapes of Death, hmm. which I don't know if you saw. I saw it on the Horror Channel some years ago. I saw it a couple of times, actually, and I quite liked it. It's about a, a, it's a it is a zombie movie as well. These, from what I remember, the they're spraying insect insecticides on plants and then somehow these it ends up turning the, the villagers into into zombies you know it's a, a decent enough effort and he's made films like your know, fascination and like you say the nude vampire it's the sort of stuff this guy did really mm. was just making very sleazy films full of erotica and nudity and you know he obviously enjoyed the female form it's interesting when you look at his imdb credits a lot of his films were made under a different under different names, which suggests to me, certainly based on on how he feels about this film, that perhaps he wasn't always so proud of a lot of the things he did. Right. Um, but again, I don't. You know, that might just me. It might be me speculating. Uh, but yeah, you know, I I, I don't think Jean Melanza is a a very good director at all but he did make a couple of uh, very sleazy things where it's like you know i'd be happy to own some of this stuff just because it's cheesy and sleazy and a bit very much of its filmmaking of its time i think i would say of its era uh yeah so anything else to say about this one tom not really not really it kind of ends uh on a strange one um the young girl lures her dad and his zombie friends to a house where she makes them drink blood. I'm not quite sure what the significance of that was. Oh. And then they just get torched by everyone with flamethrowers. So um, <laughs> uh, very odd. But, you know, not much more to say, really. I mean, kind of a cool idea there where these zombies are completely resistant to bullets. So they can't be, you can't shoot. I mean, I don't think anybody actually tries to shoot them in the head. I mean, some of these guys have an aiming even a stormtrooper would laugh at. Yeah, but it, 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 yeah, but they can't actually. They can't seem to be killed by anything. And then the reporter woman who has come to town to to write a story about all of this, she comes up with the idea of burning them with fire. Mm. And and what a strange character she is because she sort of comes in, and you know it seems like she's going to do something quite important, and then she ignores this guy's advice. So you know she goes off and tries to take a picture of one of the zombies and ends up getting killed very quickly. One of these things where a lot of these directors, they don't really care about characters very much, do they? It's all about the set pieces, isn't it? And we see that a lot with Gialli and Argento and even Barva to some extent. But but anyway, I'm comparing Zombie Lake to an Argento film. I think it's time (laughs) that we get out of this one. Let me give you a little bit of trivia on this. Not a lot of trivia on either of these. But now I was talking about a connection between Jean Roland and Jess Franco. And of course, we saw it with the writing credits. Jess Franco is credited as a writer on this, probably because Jess Franco was originally in place to direct this film. uh, And he was replaced by Jean Roland shortly before production began. Now, Roland would later admit that he was embarrassed by this film, by the script. He regretted taking the job. Um, 
which is why he went under the name J.A. Laser for this film and not his normal name. And I guess it came out years later and he admitted it. Yes, it actually was me who directed the movie. Franco still has a writing credit on the film. So it it, it, is, in, it, it is quite interesting that even Jean Valin himself, by his very own low standards, was was not very fond of this one and one final piece of trivia here uh, again cementing this interesting connection here is that if there are similarities with oasis of the zombies they aren't just on the surface much of the same crew worked on both movies so i would imagine franco had his own crew of course that he used on oasis of the zombies then mm. came to work on this one but then was replaced by jean roland and they kept the same crew so effectively this film was kind of shot with most of the same people who worked on Oasis of the Zombies. So that that is interesting because thematically they're quite similar, aren't they? I suppose, yeah. Um, but uh, I think from what we've seen, even if it's just minor, I think I'm in the Jean Roland camp. <laughs> I think it's a bit better than uh, old Jess. Oh, absolutely. And I will say, without a doubt, I think I've liked more Jean Roland stuff mm. over the years. You know, I'm not saying either one is great, but I th- I think Jess Franco has... I think they both got a lot of clunkers in their filmography. I would say I've been a bit more entertained by some of Roland's stuff. Uh, so look, guys, if you want this movie, and it seems like, again, based on some of the people I've spoken to on Twitter, they like this one more than Oasis. But like Oasis of the Zombies, Zombie Lake is available on Blu-ray from Redemption Films, and it's a region-free disc as well. Uh, the release cost twelve ninety nine, the same as Oasis of the Zombies, and you can grab that from Salvation slash Films dot com. So I guess Redemption Films has been kind of releasing some of this Euro horror recently on mm-hmm. the Blu-ray format. I, I had a quick look at their web we're not affiliated with them by the way, I'm just telling you where you can get it. Just because I was sort of interested to see if you know, if these releases were meant for America only, and indeed they're not. Now, not all of their stuff is region-free on there. I had a quick look at some of the stuff, but they've got some cool releases on there, some films that, that are actually, you know, pretty cool. But these two two are both, they're both twelve ninety nine a piece, and they are region-free. So, you know, if you like either of these, if you buy Oasis of the Zombies, you need to see a psychiatrist. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, get in touch with me. I'll, I'll sort you out, dear boy. Uh, that sounded a bit pervy, didn't it? I didn't mean it didn't mean for that. Uh, so that's it, guys. That's the end of our reviews of these two masterpieces of zombie cinema. Mm, tough one this week, you know. Just to be so bored, um, it's hard to really muster any kinds of enthusiasm for them. To you know, and we've had bad films on the list before that where they've just been so shit that I've wanted to talk about them but these were just so you know Zombie Oasis especially just so dull I I almost bored myself just talking about it. Oasis of the Zombies you mean? Yeah. You said a zombie Oasis. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I love it when and you, you displayed this same behaviour on the last one we were talking about the erotic rise of Frank I love it when you, you don't give a fuck anymore when you're just like oh whatever <laughs> I don't care anymore. I think the thing for me is I like a bad movie when there's loads of stuff happening, even yeah. if it's all really bad, because then you can sit there and go, oh, and do you remember when this happened and that happened and this happened? You know, 
Well, and... Firecracker was case in point, you know. Mm. Even though that was quite dull, there was still some things where you could say, I oh, remember that, that was funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, the whole knife play sex scene was... Yeah. It's really something you can talk about. It's a real highlight. And unfortunately, these don't really have any, you know, major bits that we can talk about. But, mm. yeah, there you go. I mean, look, not our best zombie double bill. Uh, I, and I think we probably have another bad one to come. But we do have a Romero double bill to come as well, because for some reason they decided to put two zombie masterpieces on this list. For some strange mm. reason, it doesn't really make sense to me. So, hey, guys, it's not all bad, but I am sorry. I want to apologise to everybody for those of you who were forced to sit through Oasis of the Zombies. Uh, you have our extreme apologies, but Tom and I didn't make it, so, you know. There is that. Right, so it's time to get to the feedback section. Now, Chris Brown, Chris Brown, Chris Brown, don't have a frown because we're about to play your feedback that you left for us. Of course, Chris, whenever he can, which is mostly he's only missed a couple because he was busy moving, uh, has left us some audio feedback talking about these two movies. And we're going to listen to that right now. Hi, chaps. It's uh, Christopher Brown here. Just uh, giving you some feedback on the two films of, uh, you've, you've talked about today. Um, I think it's fair to say that I am a bit of a Euro cine fan. Uh, you know, I had a bit of a cinema beast period in uh, in my early twenties when I was watching a lot of these kind of strange, erotic horrors and they're quite unusual and weird and feel a bit off. And uh, Euro cine was uh, really the home for a lot of this stuff. And um, the, uh, Jess Franco is intrinsically linked with, uh, with that time and those kind of films. But uh, a lot of the stuff he created was uh, awful, really awful. And uh, I think when I say I'm a, Euro, you know, I'm a fan of Eurocine and I've got a soft spot for it, people kind of look at me like I've got two heads a bit. But I think it, uh, let me explain it by using these two films. First off, Zombie Lake, which is the better of the two movies, despite being completely inept in terms of how it's been uh, put together. Shoddy, I think, would be the best way to describe it. The story itself is pretty basic, and it takes a long time to tell it. And it's very slow, and uh, the special effects are uh, just just dire. I mean, the makeup on some of those zombies are awful. I had it up on my on, on, on a projector. And uh, you can, you know, you can even on DVD quality, you can really see the fact that that lad's just got green paint just coming off him because of the because the water. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of obviously, you know, it's ladled with uh, massively exploitative nudity, which is uh, <laughs> just hilarious. It's also got um, this weird tone to it and shift, and. Um, only in those films at that time and Eurocine films would any horror film finish with a young girl crying because of the death of her undead father. And um, that's not a spoiler, I don't think. But um, it just tonally feels so weird and quite avant-garde. And with like these really strange pretensions at art, despite the fact that it ultimately it's just also trash and that kind of juxtaposition i always really enjoyed also um you've got a uh, howard vernon in the star role who obviously people may know from delicatessen 
but also he was in the Jean-Luc Godard's Alphaville, so you know, quite highfalutin as well. I think he was in a Woody Allen film as well. But obviously, you know, he made his like his bread and butter as everyday money, just appearing in these uh, these trashy films for people like Franco. Obviously, this was uh, directed not by Franco, but by Jean Roland. But at the same time, um, I think it'd been lined up for Franco, and then he just didn't do it at the last minute. I think Roland does a better job than I think Franco would have done. Uh, based off the other film on the list, which I think is the film that always gets gets thrown back at me when I say I like this kind of stuff, which is a, you know a Franco film, and Oasis of the Zombies is dire. I mean, really poorly put together, and it's it's Franco at its worst when he's bored and uh, he just can't be bothered, and uh, that plays out with this film definitely. So um, you know you've got this kind, of, you've got trash aspiring to greatness and you've got a guy who's capable of doing something similar to that but just can't be bothered with that film with that one this particular film with the second movie and i think that for me is is a is a big big problem obviously and it's certainly one of the reasons why i'm guessing the reviews of this film will not be very positive anyway chaps thanks very much for uh, indulging me with my feedback again take care and i'll speak to you soon goodbye i think um I'm not exactly on the same page as Chris this time, but sort of, you know, he said he doesn't like Oasis. I don't think anyone does. Um, But he has an appreciation for Zombie Lake. And here's the thing, you know, if someone came to me and said, you know what, I uh, I really like Oasis of the Zombies or whatever the fuck it's called. And um, I would say to them, you're insane, you know. But if someone came to me and said I like Zombie Lake, uh, like Chris has with his feedback, I can't argue with them, to be honest. I, I think, fair play to you. I'm not exactly on the same page, but I'm almost there. So, you know, that's fair enough. I think you're both fucking stupid. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, uh, I, I I can understand why you would prefer Zombie Lake over A Waste to the Zombies. I look, you look, I'd be lying if I said that I liked it. But it... Um, I can understand his point of view on that, but he is determined to disagree with me about everything. That Chris <laughs> Brown, he just he doesn't want to agree with me on anything. Yeah, the only thing he's agreed with me on, I think, is the Shogun Assassin soundtrack being good, and lifted from uh, lifted from uh, that film and put on Naked Fist inappropriately. I'm not going to go off on that again. But uh, other than that, yeah, I always like Chris coming in because he does have very different opinions to us most of the time. And so, you know, and you get a different flavour of things, which I like. I, You know, we shouldn't always be in, in agreement on stuff. But I can totally understand why he just hated Oasis of the Zombies. I mean, he left a, a he sent us a tweet basically saying, well, I, Oasis of the Zombies is one of the dullest films I've ever seen. Thanks a lot, guys. So, you know, <laughs> and I did, I had to I have to admit, I did feel for him on that. So uh, thanks, Chris, for sending that in. Always, you know, such a joy that you actually take the time to do that and watch the films along with us. Definitely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, again, sorry about that, Chris, but hey, you like Zombie Lake, so what the hell do you know? Now, uh, let's move on to the next thing that we have here. Uh, Tom, we've got some tweets from Chris Ward, Horrorsmith on Twitter. Do you want to read those? Sure. Hey, uh, just quick ones. Uh, he says, you can have my feedback for the next show now. Zombie Lake is shit. <laughs> and great opening shots of a naked woman swimming, then fuck all else for an hour. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Yeah, see, I'm with Chris Ward a bit. 
mm. on that. I can understand as though he didn't like it at all, Tom. Okay. And uh, how about we've got a tweet from Stevie Griffiths, Stevie Man Muppet off Twitter. Shall I do that one and then you can do the next email? Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Okay, he says, unrelated, but have you noticed most Doctor Who baddies are a zombie variant, slowly lumbering en masse to a singular goal? Um, I can't say I've ever gave it much thought, to be honest. Um, possibly, I guess. Cybermen, you know, very zombie-like, I suppose. I, I guess. Chris, any thoughts on that? I don't know. Why are you giving this man the time of day? He obviously was on heroin when he wrote this tweet, Tom. Quite clearly. <laughs> Uh, look, I don't watch Doctor Who at the moment, not because I don't want to, I just haven't gotten around to it. So I I, I used to watch Doctor Who when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, but if we're talking about the... I guess he's talking about the most recent uh, Doctor Who, and I haven't... Apart from the Christopher Eccleston, some of the Christopher Eccleston episodes, I haven't seen any more of it. So um, I can't speak to that, really, to be honest with you. I would imagine, based on the you know the sheer breadth of, of choices you have there, there's so many different Doctor Who baddies that there must be somebody in there who's a bit zom- zombie-esque. Great, thanks for that, Stevie. And next we have an email from our old friend Victor in America. Yes, and I will read that for you. He says, greetings, gentlemen. First and foremost, I want to say welcome back, Chris. It's good to hear you and Tom back in action once again. Cheers to you, good sir. I hope all is well. Now, I had intended on writing a long-winded review of each film, but there really isn't much to say. Zombie Lake was the better of the two, in my opinion. There were a few moments where I caught a few of the actors blinking when they were supposed to be dead, which I found amusing. (laughs) Uh, Can't say I noticed that myself, but um, I'll leave Oasis of the Zombies alone because, well, it's just terrible. Uh, That's all I've got for today, gents. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to many more episodes to come. Your friend in the States, Victor. Uh, yeah, I think we pretty much agree with everything you said there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'll, uh, I didn't see the blinking either, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, uh, there's, we've got an email here from Gore, blimey, good old Gore on Twitter. And I have to say, uh, I don't want to embarrass him too much, but he seem, you know, he sends me a private message now and again just to see how I am. And uh, mm. I think that's really, really nice. Very, very sweet of him to do that. So thank you very much, Gore. I wish I knew what his real name was instead of walking around calling him Gore. I'm Gore. Okay, Gore Blimey, all right? I'm the Gore Boy, or was anyway. I realise calling myself the Gore Boy when I'm nearly 32 is a bit weird. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you're not the Gore. Anyway, sorry, I'll go on off on a tangent there. Uh, why don't you read the email from Gore Blimey, Tom? Great to hear you'll be talking about Zombie Lake. I couldn't resist commenting. After all, it's one of my favourite zombie movies of the 80s. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. Mm. Okay. He says, I know, I know, but let me explain. We have a group of Nazis who get killed by French villagers and thrown into a lake, and many years later they return. I have no idea why, just as I have no idea why the lake seems to have had white tiled walls with exit signs and lake markings. <laughs> and Sorry, lane markings. Uh, the zombies emerge from the depths in their surprisingly well-preserved uniforms, with green faces, pink hands, and stuck-on plasticine eye deformities, and off they go in search of local villagers to cuddle, especially the local ladies who are unable to run fast because their clothes keep falling off. We notice the zombies' curse doesn't seem to rub off on the villagers, which is more than can be said for the green face paint. Highlights have to include the cavorting couple in the barn with their terrible-looking nylon wigs, 
to blood squirting eye injury where we can clearly see the plastic tube supplying the red liquid and the, the mayor's parlour where we get a good old look at the crew and filming equipment in a big ornate mirror especially as they obviously realised their error and instead of reshooting they kept it in but simply threw an old sheet over the mirror for the next scenes <laughs> nice so what's the appeal of Zombie Lake? Well, all the things I've just mentioned for a start. Surely you can't dislike this one, Chris and Tom. Yeah. It's so ridiculous, it's almost a classic. But the most implausible thing of all about it, what on earth was it doing on the Section 3 Video Nasties list? Fabulous podcast, guys. It's always a real pleasure to listen. You make my drive to work so much more enjoyable. And that's from Gorblimey goes by the name Double Agent 73 on Twitter and his blog is called goreblimeyblog.com. You see the way Gore speaks about it, he speaks about it the same way you speak about something like pieces, you know, the, the yeah. fun, trashy, silly shit but fun and you know, great I you know, if he appreciates it in that way that's great, but it it never really went that far for me. It, it was more like the, the shit things were just shit and you know obviously I disagree with what Gore's saying but I, I appreciate where he's coming from if it works on that level it works on that level but it just didn't didn't come through that way for me yeah I mean I, I love it when people are passionate about things mm. so it's great to read that I mean he says here so surely you can't dislike this one Chris and Tom I mean I did dislike it uh, I, I don't yeah he lists all the things that he personally finds entertaining about it and when you read it on paper, it sounds great, but then mm. actually watching it, I, I'm not, I'm not getting that feeling of being entertained from it that he is. Uh, I mean, you know, he, the way he speaks about it, it, it makes it sound as if it's something fun and trashy and energetic, like Return of the Living Dead, for example. Mm. And I'm not seeing any of that there. You know, I still found it to be quite boring, and you know, I don't know, just one of those things that perhaps wasn't quite for me. And he says here, what on earth was it doing on the section three video nasty list? Well, what is anything doing on the section three video nasty list? You know, why are two of the best zombie movies ever made, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, why are they on the section three list? You know, you just don't know uh, the thinking behind these things. They make a lot of sense, really. Uh, but look glad you enjoy it even better you seem to really love the podcast which is wonderful it's nice to know that you make your commute to work that much more enjoyable and um yeah if you follow Gorblimey on twitter it's at double agent 73 every sunday he live tweets himself listening to the archers on the radio <laughs> and you can go on there you can read all of that and then afterwards you can shoot yourself in the head now, I've got an email here from Carl Bennett. Uh, good guy, always talk to me about gaming and stuff on Twitter. Uh, he says, hey guys, I've remembered to send feedback in two shows in a row. Uh, my memory must be improving. But anyway, here is my two cents on Zombie Lake, which I believe he just watched today, actually. So thank you very much, Carl, for the dedication. Wow, this was a big steaming pile of dog shit. I enjoy a good bad movie as much as the next guy, but this was horrible. If someone asks me, do you want to watch a movie about zombie Nazis, I would have visions of Dead Snow or the Wolfenstein game series. Now, the Nazi zombie genre is dead to me. I'm hardly surprised the director wanted his name taken off the credits. If I was him, I think I would have looked for an alternative career, but I'm surprised to say he carried on directing until his passing in 2010. He obviously wasn't too bothered about cameras and boom mics being in shot, but don't get me started on the underwater scenes. 
The makeup effects were so bad they were actually falling off during the scene where the zombie is sucking on the woman's neck in the village at the beginning of the movie. While I'm on the subject of zombies sucking on necks, the zombie attacks seemed very sexual, like they were trying to seduce their victims by caressing them and nuzzling onto their necks. By the way, folks, out of interest there, when he said, while I'm on the subject of zombies sucking on necks, for a brief moment, I thought he said zombies sucking on cocks. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't read that. Uh, there is so much 80s boobs and bush jiggling around in the movie it's almost as if the entire budget was spent on convincing ladies to take their clothes off normally i wouldn't complain but dear god this was awful in the past i have said there is no such thing as a bad zombie film well this is clearly the exception to the rule again thanks for your awesome show but i really hope the next movies are even just a little bit better carl thank you carl um it's funny isn't it how zombie lake has really got a spectrum of opinion on it you know you've got chris brown who likes it in a sort of academic sense you know um gore likes it as a bit of a cheese fest i'm kind of interested in it you don't like it and carl fucking hates it yeah i mean that's the thing when we finished our review you said i hate it i actually don't hate it i just don't like it mm. but there's a bit i mean he's, like, he's vitriolic about it man. he hates it with a passion um, and you know brings up I think some good points about it I mean he said on Twitter that the Nazi zombie genre is dead to me now you know and I don't know that you know I wouldn't be too put off Carl uh, you know like you said, you mentioned the Wolfenstein series there go and play Wolfenstein the New Order or even the Old Blood if you want a good if you're a gamer that is you know if you're interested in games and you'll see a good taste of uh, Nazi zombie action there and actually a very well written story um, yeah he had a very, very interesting reaction to this one, Tom, I have to say. I, I get the feeling he didn't watch Oasis of the Zombies, though, because I would imagine if you'd seen that one as well, Carl, you'd have... You might have felt differently. <laughs> you know, just by the, just comparing the two of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so that is the end of the feedback, and indeed, we've come to the end of the show. Uh, now... I said at the beginning of the show, if you'd like to get your feedback in so we can we can read it just like we did a moment ago there, you can email us at feedback at strangeanddeadly.com. That's feedback at strangeanddeadly.com. Alternatively, you can tweet us with a quick comment or question, a bit of feedback. Maybe just put a, a hashtag of feedback on there so that we know that it's specifically meant for a show. Uh, you, What you want to do is tweet us at strange deadly no and in there just at strange deadly um you can find me on twitter i'm at the gore boy where can they find you tom uh, i'm grindhouse tom on twitter mm -hmm. and of course you can also go to the website gentleman's grindhouse records.com there's more than just the strange and deadly show there's a whole bunch of podcasts there including uh tom's podcast that he works on what's that all about tom uh well there's a couple now there's the twilight zone podcast and there's also uh, Gentleman's Grindhouse Radio, which is an interview podcast that I do interviewing various celebrities and so on. Yep, so if you want to hear that, and of course you can also hear my old show, Gore Boy Radio, The Golden Oldies. They're all on there. Well, they're not all on there, but Tom's putting them up every fortnight. So if you want to hear some old shows that are recorded some six or seven years ago, you can go on there and hear those. Of course, they're all available on iTunes, on different podcatchers. So you can type in Strange and Deadly, type in Gentleman's Grindhouse, Gore Boy, you know, Twilight Zone, whatever you want, and you're going to find them on there. You can subscribe to them very, very easily indeed. So, Tom, what have we got in store for the listeners on the next episode? 
I'm looking forward to the next one, not just because this week has been so terrible, but um, it's we're getting to the kind of really trashy, uh, kind of grimy films that we like, and it's it's a theme of women in captivity now. It's a, it's a funny old genre that one. How can you say you like a genre like that and be a you know a modern man? <laughs> we'll yeah. we'll kind of have that discussion, I guess. But a um, couple of films we've got Abducted, which is also known as Schoolgirls in Chains, and Hell Prison, which is also known as Escape from Hell. So I'm really looking forward to these. Yeah, me too. Very different for us. We're sort of for the next two episodes we're moving away from horror altogether. And you will see that on the episode after the next one. Again, a very different sort of, actually a very completely different sort of uh, theme for us. So uh, yeah, this is the last horror-centric episode for a while. But don't worry, we'll be back to it eventually. But yes, on the next episode, really looking forward to that. Something very different. I think they're going to be quite sort of sleazy and um, and very Grindhouse-esque, I think. I would mm-hmm. say I think that's what we've got to look forward to. So yeah, abducted and hell prison. It's a women in captivity theme. You guys, you know, you may struggle to find these ones because they are very obscure. Uh, we've always said, and this sort of goes back into the into the feedback side of things a little bit. If you are somebody who perhaps you don't you don't feel like writing in because you can't see these movies, you can't find them anywhere. You can write to us about anything you like. It doesn't just have to be the movies that we're covering on a particular episode. So if you feel like, oh, you know what, I, I always wondered, I wonder if Chris and Tom like this particular genre or they like these particular films, or you want to tell us about a film that you like or maybe a future film that's coming up, you can do any of that. You can uh, you know send your email there. Feedback at strangerdeadly.com. Doesn't just have to be about these films. So do bear that in mind if you're struggling to try and locate these ones because believe me Tom and I are struggling as well some of these films we've got coming up they are very obscure and difficult to find so we do understand you know but we still would love to hear from you talk about anything you'd like absolutely absolutely well I think we'll leave it there um maybe a bit of a short one this episode but uh, we'll see how it pans out but um keep an eye on the website you know me and Chris have been talking about some exciting stuff and i think we touched upon an idea we won't say what it is yet uh, that we're quite excited about uh, and potentially new project um so you know keep listening tell your friends give us itunes reviews we always appreciate them and we will see you next time absolutely bye for now dear listeners bye bye bye
Yes, it's uh, Zombie Lake, also known as the Lake of the Living Dead. It was released in 1981. Um, hang on, I didn't finish the word dead there. I just went dead. <laughs> <laughs> 